G'day punters, welcome to the deep dive, the show that's taking the best of the puntingform.com.au data and combining it with Bet Their Lives wagering intel and we'll try and piece together what happened on the weekend but we're going to start at Doombin in race one because our man Shane Shirley-O backed a horse at $4.60, it started at $2.30 and missed the place. Shane, talk about Island Days for us. Great intro. Um, yeah, Island Days, well... Look on the on the data, it was uh, it was the top rated horse. Um, had a good career career figures. Um, obviously, goes up, come up the Queensland for John Smurden, and the money's on. So it was just a matter of just forming an orderly queue at the window to collect. <laughs> they, they they formed an orderly queue in the race. It was slightly slow away, maybe third last out of the out of the machines, and just glided across to find the fence and lead. Look, I did I did map it leading comfortably, but that was being all things being considered that the field would break even and it would work its way across. Like you say, it did it was slow away and everyone was looking left. Um, and he made his way to the front. Look, I thought we were brown bread at the five hundred because when a horse leads like that comfortably at Doombin and it's four sixty into two twenty, um You'd expect it to put a couple on them and kick off the corner, and it, it never really did quicken. And very plain in the run of the line. And as someone noticed, as someone tweeted um, on Saturday, that um, very it's very rare that a Smurden runner is off the map and misses a place. Um, <laughs> you, you also um, you also laid the favourite, the original favourite at two dollars and twenty cents, I think. Yeah, I got matched at um, two eighteen actually, and and two twenty. Some at two eighteen, and some at two twenty on Friday when it was a dollar seventy five, dollar eighty. Um, it's SP six forty, I think. Yeah, six fifty on some of the corpse too. Yeah, yeah. So look, I copped a little bit of banter on that on that lay. Now it's hard to go into too much detail on Twitter when you're betting four, four meetings on the day and you're copying a bit of grief. Um, it was dead set the best trade I've ever made. It's the best lay I've ever made um, because I had, and I did tweet this before the race, I've got the opportunity now to bet this back at $5, $6 after getting matched, you know, matched to, to lose a thousand at, um, you know, at the 220 mark. So, um you know, if you could make those trades every every bet you have, and you can have the opportunity to let it run or chop out and have it going for free, well, would be would be very 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 wealthy. Look, I think, and the data of this golden mean, like, you know, I don't, I didn't influence the market and and lay it out the six dollars. Um, you know, there's plenty of smarts that that do that with bigger banks than us, and uh, you know, big syndicates. This, and this horse got out to it's probably about its price. Um, you have a look at the punning form data, it was nowhere near an odds-on chance on what it's done in the past. Uh, our man, David Van Dyke, um, just too good. <laughs> after, after this weekend, I think he's increased his stats to something like 51% winning strike rate for the season. Um, he had one odds-on pop go over yesterday at the Sunny Coast Um and look, the only reason why this horse got beat is because it's owned by the same bloke that owns Alligator Blood, runs in the same colours, and you might recall the death sentence that he put on this horse when he's declared that he's got one just as good as Alligator Blood at home. <laughs> Every owner that's got a good horse says we've got one just as good as home at home. <laughs> this one went around $1.75 into a dollar forty and got rolled. So um Put a little bit of dent in the in the strike rate of DVD, but striking it above fifty percent for the season is uh, it was too good for me in race one. He's still flying. He's still well and truly flying. It was too good for me. All right. Well, talk to us about uh, race three, curls. Uh, Maddie Rocks wasn't necessarily wanted at all by the market. It's jumped at uh, two dollars thirty-two Betfair SP after opening dollar fifty dollars sixty at nine a.m. How'd you handle it? Yeah, shit house. Um, thanks for asking. Um, so I did the preview, and I was like, "Look, you know, we looked at all the shorties. Although Matty Rocks is probably the pick of the shorties here." Um, and then, yeah, you know, had a look at obviously, you know, we send out the early email, and it, 
uh, surprising, not surprising. There's Curly's best for the day on the on the EDM. You know, the free tip and he tipped a dollar forty shot. What a genius! Um, you dig a bit, you dig, then you sort of get to race day, and then you have to have a you consider a few other factors, including market. The concern for me was is that it was. Um, just shy of two months between runs or, you know, it was six weeks between runs, okay? So six weeks between runs, good stable, knows how they're going. Um, forty at a 2.30 started to get a little concerning. Um, and I had an inkling that the, that the nine Lady Brahmos, um, you know, might try and take advantage of that gap between runs and that little bit of weight difference and might just go forward and get in front of Matty Rocks and, and really ramp it up and make it a really strong run, you know, make it chase. Um, but Lady, so I had something small, Lady Brahmos, and then it went back and Ryan Maloney just outrode them again and, and, and she won, you know, won quite well. So, um, yeah, so handled that race poorly. Um, sort of go to plan. They sort of expected a little bit more intent with the money for Lady Brahmos, but it, it didn't sort of come that way. And just by the look of the market, I wasn't the only one that thought that would be the case. And there's a fairly savage drift on Lady Bra on Matty Rocks, but too good, too good on the day. You think you can follow Matty Rocks? Like it looked like it would win this race on the data. Like we did this race together on Thursday or something. It stood yep. out to me. It's done the yep. job. Can it progress? Yeah, well, the six weeks between, and it'll, you know, I know it was only a class three set weights and it was pretty well in, but um, like it'll win again in Brisbane. In, yeah, pretty comfortable. It wins again somewhere, wherever it goes. Speaking of Brisbane, Rothfire is now an Everest slot holder, which I think is great because you need a bunny in the race to provide some of the better horses a chance to just, you know, go by them and kill it in the straight. Uh, am I being too harsh? Be careful of having an opinion. Um, I had a little, I sort of made mention something similar on Twitter and, and copped a little bit of a whack, a little bit of a drive by. Um, baseless, but still a drive by all the same. Look, I thought it was an interesting decision from the slot holders. Now, this is a, a well publicized people slot with my runners selling micro slots, whatever else. Well, with the expert panel, um, yeah, this horse has won restricted two-year-old races in Queensland uh, and hasn't stepped out, you know, since it's had a trial. It hasn't stepped out since. Remember, it got, got cast in its box before that trial as well, if you recall. Um, my opinion was that they've just gone the early crow. They've gone the early pick here. I think, you know, there's a little bit of water to go under the bridge. It hasn't stepped out Um like I said, outside of two-year-old restricted grade in Queensland. So down amongst the big boys, I think it has a lifetime benchmark rating of like 7.5. Yep. Career best. And given Which, given that um, Joel Trash has run a figure of 16 on Saturday, first up with the shoes on, that's pretty scary. Just on yeah. that as well, I uh, I went through that the, – the... In, on the uh, on our Sydney review show, and Nature Strip has returned a figure of fourteen point two first up. Nature Strip returned a figure of fourteen point four first up in the same race last year, and then went on to reproduce that figure in the Everest when running fourth. Uh, like Rothfire's PB is only seven lengths off Nature Strip's average run. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, look and. I mean, obviously, I'm just talking purely. I'm talking purely from a form point of view. But um, congratulations to Robert Heathcote on negotiating a slot. Good on him. Um, you know, they get plenty of publicity from it, and uh, I hope for their sake that their horse um, comes through unscathed and, and runs his best. But um, to think that it could improve enough in that short period of time is, you know. Just thought it was a little bit an early go, but anyway, Queensland gets a gets a, a horse in the Everest, and I'm sh it's already had a it's, this horse has already had a documentary made about it, the thriller from Chinchilla. Just, just feel like everything has gone off a bit early about this horse. Is just it's just my feel, but um, all the very best to everyone involved there. Speaking of um, 
going off early documentaries. We could make one about the delayed stinger, which lobbed by about 15 lengths there on Saturday night at Toowoomba. We were on again. This yeah. time, the race, it basically went exactly the same as the previous start. <laughs> he said this time the jockey stayed on and we collected. Talk yes. us through it all. And, and more so from my point of view, at the pointy end of the market, which it was, just the the potential for the anxiety and the growing up to just swell inside my skull in that scenario would be immense. How'd you handle it? Um, I was punch drunk by this race. Um, it was, I think it was the second last of the day. I'd covered four meetings, bet a billion dollars, felt like. <laughs> <laughs> And basically, the, the the night's result hinged on this race. Like, I was confident the horse would win. So, I don't know, one for the weighted measures, men. Um, this horse won by 300 metres two weeks prior, <laughs> but it carried... But it, so, it won by 80 lengths or 60 lengths, but it carried 56 kilos less than the second horse. So, if you add one length per kilo, it still won by 14 lengths um, on you know, on the old weights and measures. So it was a moral Saturday night. Uh, and look, uh, Michael Murphy, you know, I noticed he's in 10 out of the gate for the first 40-odd, 50 metres. was very aggressive. He made sure that he was up on speed. He was three days outside the lead and then was able to grab hold and not clip heels when he took a sit. Um, I made an ass of myself in the betting ring. Um, I stood on a chair and yelled, don't fall off. From the 150 metre mark through to the winning post, and there was some people there just looking at me, shaking their heads, saying, "You are a lunatic." It'd been a long day, it'd been an emotional day. We went to, and it's got the job done. We went to Gatton, um, and I had a max bet on that first starter that went absolutely shit out. So, I, like, I didn't know what to expect, and, and like, oh, that's what I mean. You, like, the Gatton, there's, a, oh. there's the um. The thing, the Smurden thing in the first. We also oh. took big overs, the Smurden thing in the first at the Gold Coast. That didn't place either. No. <laughs> it was like it was. And then I was, um, I was facing a strip out in Brisbane, and I backed that horse. I uh, had a decent place, bet that horse in the last that ran third. I was in the car on the way home, on the way to Toowoomba by this stage, but I've taken four dollars and it's SP six dollars the hole, and it's ran third. So just everything was just like getting to me like that. We've backed the last winner at Gatton for the service. It's missed the start by three. Mother Tilly stuck to the fence and didn't go around a horse and won. We took $7 about it. There was 400 female backpackers at Gatton that were dressed up like – there's 397, like, Victoria's Secret tryout girls there. Unbelievable scenes at Gatton. It was just it was just one of the random days of racing, one of the most random days, and – Thank goodness that uh, that my, and that's why that's why the emotion got the better of me in, the, in that bed where I stood on the chair and just yelled, "Don't fall off!" for the last 150 meters. It was um, it was a roller coaster day, and somehow, f knows how, I've won at all three provincial meetings and had a small loss in Brisbane and won for the day overall. Big effort, big effort, completely big spent. Effort. And then, yes, then Sunday we sneak across to Moree. Oh, like, what about yesterday? Even that story. Oh, like, like the, the mailbag team has backed three horses yesterday. I've backed two at Geelong, which have, like, sent them at 9 a.m., as you did. They both halved in price and gone awful. Yours has drifted heavily. <laughs> Pissed in. I've taken, <laughs> we've taken 6 50 at 9 o'clock. Five <laughs> minutes before the race, it's $5. And I was like, feet on the desk. I can't do much more over to you, Leah. <coughs> and um, and then there's a late scratching. And then we drift. No, we drift out to $9 in the last three minutes. There's a late scratching. We're back into eight fifty. So I'm copying a 10, 10 cent deduction on a $6.50 bet. And it goes around and wins at $8.50. It's, it's like, thanks for the therapy session. You just, you've saved me 125 at the psychologist this afternoon. Honestly, like it's a we weird a, weekend, but we like had it's, a fair what therapy a game. session yesterday afternoon talking about the Sunday. Like 80% of the time, you'd expect the two at Geelong one, and when we did our money there at Moree, but not yesterday, it went the other way. 
And the same with the stuff in Brisbane, like drifting favourites oh. winning in Brisbane. That rarely happens. Yeah, you think Matty Rocks got done, and uh, the thing in the first just absolutely pissed in. Muck Lather too on the corner, which when they hemorrhage like that, I love to see a little bit of sweat on them, like a lot of sweat. Yeah, it was a strange day. A strange day. Strange weekend. Sure we, yeah, I was going to say, speaking of strange days, uh, the Valley, Dickens, I think we've got to start props to uh, Marty Sinan and his crew because the track's played very well considering the uh, events of the previous three weeks. An unbelievable performance given the track's 25 years old. The rain they coughed, the meeting was off. They had to call the meeting off. They've galloped all over that five-metre-plus range in that meeting. Oh, I can't get over how well it raced. And it probably made the day a bit harder because we were pretty, well, I was pretty keen and confident how it would race, and it wasn't as, um, as biased. I do think they were a little bit blessed by some of the utterly sickening and ridiculous tempos. Can't stress this enough: the Racing Victoria stewards must invest in sectional times. I suggest using punting form, but just get anything, even just get a clock out, get one of these just. To, Some of these times we're going to get to are unbelievably slow. I can't get over it. The, sec- the second slowest race to the 600 of the whole day was a weight for age group two thousand meter race. Weight for age group two thousand meter race, second slowest to the 600 on the day. There was two staying events and a fucking benchmark 78 over 600 meters on the same card. <laughs> they were all three were faster. Well, let's start with the slowest race to the 600 because that was uh, its own special event. This is race five we're talking about. Oh, Damien. Damien Lane. My man. Not my man. Not my man at all. Age of Chivalry. Age of Chivalry, I backed it. So, yeah, bias, whatever. Listen to me. This horse has gone, I'm going to take my time as I get it spot on. On Saturday, second up, 1,200 metres. This horse has gone 5.7 slow to the 600. 5.7 slow to the 600. He also, because he was going so slow, but allowed himself to get crossed, then peeled three wide and carted up a favourite. In its entire career, all of it. It's never gone so slow. That that's at a pack and a maiden. Geelong maiden. Never this slow. Nothing in the sewage support. It's gone out three point seven slower than the Geelong synthetic maiden. It's unbel- it's it's unbelievable. It's fucking unbelievable. In run, you did not want to be anywhere like we were we were taught the minute that Chicago Cup crossed him. And the minute that Pike just goes, <laughs> we're going to try and be more forward, but I certainly didn't expect to get the back of the only thing that can beat us. Mm. Oh, just repulsive. They gave him ride of the day for the ride in Humidor, which we get to later on, but I think it should sort of be a 3 2 1 over the whole day, that thing. Age of Chivalry, a total forgive run. Showmanship, outstanding, outstanding win, but it hasn't done a lot to the clock. Well, it, it, it has over the last 200 in the last... It'd, it'd want to. Yeah, but, I mean, like, you can only do... You can only beat what's in the it's in, yeah. in the race and what's presented to you. And the horse has only lost one race in its career so far, and, unfortunately, that was a uh, big shout-out to Terry Layton, who I know was in the same boat. I think we both averaged over $3 for it, started sixty and ran fourth. Um, it's hard to get your cash back with this galloper, but... Also, you shout only out to the um, to the, uh, the the Turtle Award. The uh, what are we calling it? Uh, the the Valium Award. The Valium Award. Willow here on Felicia. Mm. <laughs> Five point seven below the all average to the six hundred meters in a listed race. In a listed race at twelve hundred meters. It's, <laughs> it's only being beaten by Lucy Warwick, who we will get to later on, which is just yeah. staggering behavior from Lucy once we go to the west. But we had um. We had a, we, I think we had a Twitter question about showmanship too, didn't we? Um, yes, yeah, we from did. From Crookie? Yeah, from Crookie. 
Does showmanship need to go up and trip or will it just keep winning? Love the line finding horse. Just question regarding what are the likely targets and the best suited trip moving later into spring, gents. Um, I thought the horse was a moral in the railway, which is a group one mile race in Perth, but it looks like they're setting it for something that's a little bit shorter than that. Um, 1,200 to 1,400. I think the horse is better over 1,400 to a mile, but it certainly is tactical enough that they can basically put it into any any race in any position. So far, it's been clocking really fat splits or slow, slow tempos, but I think the faster they get, the better it will get as well. Yeah, I'd be guided heavily by Peter's opinion on these uh, Bob Peters horses. You can't pen it. You'd assume it's only going to get better over further the way it got through the line. I, I think it, the only worry for me, if I was like, if we're talking about backing it in a futures race, if we knew where it was going, is if they draw like 15 and it's on pace suited at like say Caulfield or something, it's going to have a lot against him. Mm. But if he gets, like, if it's an eight-horse race and he can just win three pairs back behind a favourite and just peel into, like, the fast lane, then he's not going to get – it can't be beaten. Horses can't run faster than it ran home. Yes. It's like you – see, you see many sub-11 furlongs at Mooney Valley? No. We're, we're, and, like, just credit to Pike, too. I think of the Moon Valley corner, it's like it's a camber, and I think of it as like a putting green. And you just want to like hold your putt up on the camber and then fall off it into the straight. Basically, the complete opposite of what Michael Rod did on the last one to be. <laughs> it kind of gave the putt a bit too much on every other side of the camber. <laughs> oh, fuck, that was awful. Um, but yeah, to, to the question, I'd probably tune into RSN and watch... Ask Gareth or Peter. They're the two guys who I know who get the best information out of that camp. And wherever it goes, it's probably going to start favourite. Obviously, obviously, he's got good tactical speed. You see those couple of those Perth wins where you're sort of able to be close to the speed and, you know, running sub past, you know, lead times as well. So showing that tactical speed at 1,400 is going to be deadly anyway at that trip already, we know. And, as Pistol said, like can sit back off a off a you know medium tempo at sixteen hundred and just be as lethal late. So, so you could argue he's sort of added another string to his bow really by doing what he did on Saturday because he's just accelerated so dynamically off a slow tempo where we've seen him do it off a good tempo. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty bomb proof horse, pretty bomb proof. Um, we'll go to race six, which is, as you mentioned, Dickens' uh, second slowest race to the 600 and was a group 2,000-metre race. Um, Bella Vella, Jamie Carr, Will Clarkin. I mean, Clarkin flies, obviously. His record in Victoria is very strong, but the race itself wasn't much of a race. Well, I think Jamie Carr was very stiff not to get right of the day, not for this, but her ride on Sandy... And I did back um, thought of that in run. I almost sent it as a bet, but I just wasn't convinced with the way the market was that Zara was going to roll as far forward as he did. Um, her ride on Shandy was elite behaviour. Her, her early move kept her in the good on the good going. Didn't get out to the shit. Outstanding ride, and she is flying. Her ride on Wednesday, although gifted it by the incompetence of the other riders at Bendigo on that last thing something mozzy or mosquito she's riding outstanding you can have real confidence back in that i think these horses like the bella bellas that have good tactical speed and she can keep me in a nice rhythm are her specialty um was there was there an expectation here with witherspoon just burning to the front and everyone was sort of waiting for it but it was tardy away and yeah it, it, it's missed the start um and, and i think like Doing what I do, and people who are trying to figure out punting, you're entitled to lose on this race. Because with Witherspoon, 1,000 metres, weight for age group two at the Valley, you'd anticipate this would probably be the fastest run race of the day. So if you, if you, I didn't, but if, I don't think we bet in the race. I can't remember. But if, if you back the horse like Hans Attic or Brooklyn Hustle, your decision was 100% sound because you anticipate more tempo. They go slower late and it suits the run on. 
Mm. It wasn't the case here. Like, the fact that Ashlaw almost won proved was a pretty good insight to how slow they probably went. Uh, I think Hansi Attics, you can't do anything other than give it a pass mark for its performance. I thought it was pretty solid. Um, not given any sort of chance with the way the race was run. Um, Bella Bella flying. We got a good question from Tiggs about Brooklyn Hustle. It's always been a bit of a spruik horse. He thought she was entitled to do a little bit more than she did than she did on Saturday. Is she overrated from Tiggsy at PX Ratings? What do you think, boys? Um, yeah, grossly. Um, look, it's a. I think she's a freshie, and she's won two races. Um, and she was absolutely blessed the last minute Moon Valley. The way the seas parted, holy yeah, shit! Yeah, and look, she, and she's got a she's got a horrible racing pattern. When she settled closer, she failed. Um, you know, that's probably a bit harsh. And when you're talking about group and listed level races, but because she's flashy, you know, she's a flashy little thing. She gets back and and you know wins fresh, and people love that. It catches the eye of the you know the flashing light punter. They love it and. She creates a bit of a profile for herself that her ability, her ability probably doesn't justify. Peter? Uh, yeah, I mean, just further to what Curly said, um, you go back to have a look at its two wins at Mooney Valley. It's one in lane one. Um, the last 200, it's been in lane one, so it's basically got that split up the inside, which is blessed, I think, is probably the, the term you could use there, and it hasn't been Absolutely. able to produce it. Um any other time, like it's obviously capable of producing good splits, but we saw in the only fast run race it's been in so far, which was the Blue Diamond back in 2019, it didn't wasn't able to produce those splits on the day and finish fifth. <coughs> I so, think the Blue Diamond run though, you can oh, it's, it's end of first prep. She's run uh, she's run a 10.4 end of last prep in the Exceedance race. I think that would have been the Coolmore Stud Stakes down the Flemington Straight. I think that's where she'll do her best work. My read on the horse like Brooklyn Hustle is, like what Tiggsy's saying, you guys are saying, this horse will end up getting to a better race and being sort of 10, 15, 20 bucks. And if I think she's going to get the right tempo and suit it, I'm going to, I'll be keen to bet. She's got that turn of foot. Again, love, like, this is the sort of stuff where it's really, really hard not to be at the races and see them parade. Um, she's a beautiful horse. And I, I just think I'd like to see her on a run-on track in a good race at, at big odds, then you can spec her. But when she's going around at these short prices, she was always going to drift on Saturday because the only time she's ever won, yeah, is the seas parted. And it didn't look like that would be the sort of race that she got on Saturday. All right. Let's jump into the fan race eight. Um, I mean, where, where do we start here, really? Humidor, Chris Waller, he's just a, he's a freak, isn't he? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> or is it just yeah. that perf form coming through? Well, uh, it seems to work for you when you travel back and forth, but he was awful in Perth. Um, I made a big mistake here, though. Um, I found this horse. I, I thought I sent a unit on this horse, but I wrote the wrong number. And then in the chat group, I, I like. I was asked a question about what I'd sent because it, it didn't make sense, and I said, "Yeah, have half a unit on Humidor." I didn't click that I should check what I'd sent. I was in the fetal position coming into this race, down to near bare bones with my bank. And before you get on Twitter and troll me, like I, I don't have like all my bank. I've got more bank, just the bank I had a lot of for that day, and. Uh, I had about a unit left. I had a half unit on before it jumped. And then I hoped and prayed that D-Lane would show some intent and just get that third pair, not last offence. When he did, have the have the rest on. And I roared this thing home like I have as hard as I've ever roared a horse home in my life. I broke my door <laughs> when it won. I went ballistic. I sculled a goat to calm down. Had two darts. I was so happy and relieved that the pressure was off and I... Like save the units for the day. Um, I've won a stack. This horse matched enormous amounts in play. He hit $180 in run because Matt Hill, despite racing.com 
pulling him off again. Don't know if I can say that, but they, that's what they do. He didn't call the horse winning. He didn't call the horse till like the last 75 metres. God bless him. I appreciate Wait. it, Matt, because when you do that, the horse spikes in play. So we got Matt $180 in run. This horse um, completely back. Just finished off my beer, then got the message from, I think it was Rob blowing up. <laughs> Curly checked the chat group, I think, didn't you? The only way, the only reason, yeah, because I seen in your ride up for the race, you had number six a few times. You were clearly talking about two different horses, but yeah. I must have pressed the wrong number. And I, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was en route to Toowoomba from Gatton and, and see the chat notification come up to have something to have half a unit on Humidor. So I just followed you in and um, really glad it won, actually. Not because I backed it, but because um, uh, at Tab Lord Kieran on Twitter <laughs> scrolled back and liked my tweet from two months ago saying, How greedy would Waller have to be to want to train Humidor? Just put it in the paddock. <laughs> Now it's going to go to a fox fight. <laughs> uh, look, I love having an opinion and being wrong. And, you know, that's what I do for a living is have wrong opinions. Occasionally I get a right, one right. So um, I've got no qualms with uh, with saying that I called that one wrong. Uh, huge performance, Waller. I, couple of th- I think I, I agree with you. Matt Hill, uh, the caller, Matt Hill, isn't it? Matt Hill? Yeah. Missed it. I could see it getting through, and obviously with horses like Surprise Baby, et cetera, had to take off really early. You know, put you know, it was the old-fashioned, everyone pull out and, and charge from the 600-type-looking run. Yeah, like, D-Lane D- D- looked to go with him and then decided that that's, I'm not going to win doing that and just rode for luck, and the seas just parted. He was bolting. Yeah, right. And as he got, right. like, this is why D-Lane, when he's... Yep. D-Lane's best is very good. He's changed the whips of the left hand to accelerate while steering. It was elite riding. Absolutely elite. I, I, I found the horse. I got asked twice what, how I could find it. It, had, it it's, it's, it's a group one horse. And when you look in this race, I'm thinking, well, surprise, baby. I'm not even convinced they're going like, to definitely win this because they get extra penalty for the Melbourne Cup. But it's the main danger. It's, the, the, it's probably the most progressive horse in this race. Harbour Views, we're not convinced of. Sir Coney is not a Group 1 horse, but it's going to get every possible. The rest of them, like Streets of Avalon, I don't think gets a mile. I think it sort of didn't get it again. And the, the, the last three, like, they're not fucking Group 1 horses. I think it's a quite an easy bet to have at that price. Yeah. God bless it. Oh. It, it's as it's as good as I think it's as good as training effort as you'll see. Like you probably got the right race and got the right ride, which you need, but like just unbelievable effort. Yeah, it's just an, he's an, he's elite, and D Lane's yeah. ride was just fucking outstanding. Surprise, baby, perfect comeback, enormous. Yeah. Um, very exciting preparation. I think it should have won the Melbourne Cup last year, and it's probably going better than it went last year at this stage. It was funny because the Lindsay Smith team were pretty adamant that they had Humidor tracking very well in Perth, but yet it got beaten three and a half lengths by Perfect Jewel, 7.7 lengths by Perfect Jewel, and then three and a half by Material Man. Which grabbed yeah. me up because I'd, I'd heard it was flying yeah. at home, and I, I almost sent it as a mover to tracks. And then, and then I heard it was flying, and then Pete said, Well, I heard it was flying in Perth too. So then I was thinking, oh, maybe he just sort of gives that impression to the to the team at home and has stopped bringing that to the races. But he hasn't. Well, Maybe just tracks. loves the valley. What about tracks in Perth, though, for that prep? They were rain-affected? Uh, yeah, six, uh, six to seven he was racing on, so it wasn't horrendously wet. But, yeah, his, uh, his valley stats have always been pretty strong, let's face it. And all right, let's jump into the last Dickens. Um, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it, but you can. Pete declared to be immoral, and I, I think it should have won. I think he was right. There's no stewards replay of this one, for whatever reason. As we talked about earlier in the show, you just putt, no, you got to get over that ledge and just let the ball roll back towards the finish line. The, 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 
the sort of more you give it up the ledge, you can come down harder off it. And he looked like he was about to come down right on it and just kick away and not be caught. But for whatever reason, which only he would know, and we don't because the stewards didn't ask him, M. Rod elected to give a big crack of it with his left hand and the thing aimed straight at the Legends Bar. <laughs> it's going to go straight into the Ladbrokes Legends Bar it was. It was very wide, which also let the two horses that knocked him off get up the inside. I almost backed this horse, and I said it in the text, said at this price, just, just, we don't need this in our life. You know, just something could go wrong. And it did. Peter, you backed it. It was, I mean, look, I went back <laughs> and watched the replay this morning because I didn't want to watch it yesterday. I didn't want to be putting myself through that. Rivet Delight has sort of angled off in towards the straight and it's almost ushered the beer out a little bit more. So it's accentuated the fact that when he's used the left, it's sort of just gone veered out towards. It was, you know where it was? He was aiming towards where um, where the sausage rolls are. They have them there on the Friday night. They'll bring yeah. it out to the to the general, you know, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. paid sort of corporate events on. So where Sot's always trying to like sneak in and steal a couple of sausage yeah. rolls. Where's Sot? Haven't seen Sot 20 minutes. There he's down below us eating sausage rolls. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's where De Beer was running towards. But yeah, I mean, look, sound and credence is completely and utterly blessed in run. Um, anyway. What about the start of the race too? Ollie almost got smashed into the machines like Dwayne Dunn did. Thank God Dwayne's, it sounds like he's okay. Yeah, that was that was scary, and that was a sign of our day too. We were on shot of Irish, <laughs> like what torture! And how how tough is he? So he rode that rest of that race out, didn't ride, but he still like brought the horse home. Yeah, yeah. To to potentially feel a sensation of a fractured vertebrae, um, and maintain your composure to stay on the horse is pretty extraordinary, really. Very, very, like, very, very scary. I'm glad he's all right. And horses out of that race that you're following, I mean, sound, I did sort of say it was completely blessed in run, but the figures are still pretty strong over the last 600. I'd say it's gone enormous. I think it's a horse to follow out of that race. Pretty obvious. Um, I think you can follow Hanseatic a little bit. Surprise baby, ticks boxes. Uh, forgive me, chivalry. Showmanship, a beast. That's probably the wrap from Mooney Valley. So that's one thing while we're talking about Victorian stuff. Could mail in, right? Don't know if this is true, but let's pretend it is. This is alleged. Don't get up us. I've heard that in the autumn, <coughs> the Sydney Jockey Association was the one, but the, the body which led the, the decision, pushed for the decision for Victorian riders to not be able to come down and ride in the rich autumn carnival. Now, I believe that there's starting to be murmurs amongst the Victorian Jockey Association and the, like, the big the big senior dogs who control the jockeys room in Victoria to stop the Sydney riders coming down to ride in the Victorian Carnival. I don't think that they'll need to even make any noise given that we've now been locked up for another six weeks as it is. What do you boys think of that? Um, well, I think with the lockdown, they can't come, can they? They love cash. Oh, they love cash. But look, in I think there's a lot. There's a lot of like there's no shortage of Melbourne jocks, right? There's no need to fly them in. We don't need you. Don't need Sydney jocks down there, do you? Pikey no. sac Pikey sacrificed, relocated, done the quarantine. I'd fully expect if anyone else was to visit Victoria to ride, they'd have to go through the same protocols at the very least. Yeah, so you'd expect they have to come, isolate in a hotel for two whole weeks, ride for a week or two, then go back and, and isolate for two whole weeks, therefore missing a month of riding. I, I doubt it happens, but I think yeah. if I try to, my male is the Victorian jockeys will kick up and stop it. Um just on another sort of racing issue, I, you, you, you watch .com and others, and there's this, like, relentless push for international horses to be like, oh, we'll do anything to get you out here to make the Victorian Carnival great, and look, we need these internationals to come. My view is we don't need them to come. 
they add nothing when they do come. They come here and take our prize money. In a time when Australia as a whole country in Victoria has suffered since December through vicious bushfires, and now there's COVID for it's going to be almost a year, people are struggling all over the place. What? Why would we give hard-earned prize money that we're the punter raise, but the industry, the industry put on? Why would the industry participants, and I'm even like not talking the punter, not look after their own in this situation? Why would we even think about bringing international horses out? Surely the money's better spent and given and just distributed amongst the locals this year. Are you saying that because of COVID or you just, is that, I mean, under the guise of COVID, it's an excuse. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like that the internationals have, have added an extra dimension to the Melbourne spring carnival that no other carnival in Australia um, has been able to benefit from. You have a, a token, a sort of token gesture of international flavour in Sydney, but no one really goes there because they don't, you know, it's, it's just not as appealing as a spring carnival in Melbourne. I don't know if there's any protocol issues, but horses and I think horses and trainers, horses and strappers, and that are don't have do they have their own quarantine base anyway in Werribee. I, I don't know. I, I, I just think I just think in the current it's co- because of COVID. Yeah, because of COVID. Rather fair. rather than the sheep winning the Melbourne Cup and. A Japanese horse winning the Cox Plate and uh, a sheep horse winning or like another big international win the Caulfield Cup. If Paul Prushka can win the Melbourne Cup, the money that goes to like that strapper, all the connections that get spent all through Victoria, like racing can make a tangible difference to the to the state. Yeah, I don't mind the argument. We saw in it. We saw it. A domestic, do we call them domestic winners? A local winner last year, you know, that was great theatre. And it probably makes the race easier to bet on. A couple of stiff international runners out of the race probably, but yeah, I don't know. It's, I suppose because because of, like you say, with COVID, it, it's, it'd probably be easier to just wipe your hands of the internationals for this year, for sure. Well, look, I, I can't even go to the races. I'm not allowed to go to the races. But some... International trainer can just rock in, quarantine and go. Mm. Not sweet. Peter? Oh, you're just giving me anxiety thinking about how much of a no-bet race it will be if half the field's internationals, we can't be on course to actually inspect them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fair. I reckon we backed that that Australian bloodstock horse at one one Cox Plate day. Chief Ironside. And only because we saw, only because I, I like loved yeah. how paraded. Otherwise, it was... yeah. If you're sitting at home, you wouldn't have found it. No way. Well, it, it was like horse twelve too, so dot com wouldn't have shown it. <laughs> oh. All right, speed police time. Turtle award. Yeah. Well, the Valium Willow. award thanks to Kiazzi. Willow's won it in Victoria on Felicia in race five, 4.7 below, listed race, over 1,200 metres, unbelievable behaviour, and also a net from everyone behind him. Uh, Robbie Frad up there on Lunar Light in race three, curls, 2.6 below the all average. Josh Parr, 0.5 below in Sydney on in race five on Fun Fact. So they've gone good tempos all day there in Sydney, good racing. And then we had we had West and... We've got to be careful what we say here because I don't want to have to edit this out, but what in the fuck has gone on here? Lucy Warwick, she's gone straight into the, straight into the Valium Hall of Fame here. 29.4 below the all-average benchmark. That includes every other horse behind her has gone even slower. 29.4. I had to ring Peter and check this was right. It was his horse. The good horse, Montalina, still got the job done off this barrier trial tempo. Talk talk on that, Peter, and then take us through quickly Belmont. Uh, look, I mean, there, there was two races on the card over the staying trip. One was over 2,000, one was over 2,200. The race that you're talking about there where Noiru was leading, as you said, 29.4 lengths slow to the 600. 
the 2200 uh, the 2000 meter race in the last they went 4.7 fast so that's only a difference of 34.1 lengths in speed to the 600 it's just absurd to think and you could kind of tell during the race you know I was watching the race and you know Montalina you know, obviously self interest I, I texted during the run yeah you had enough time to um yeah. I had enough time to actually call you back <laughs> I was on the phone. I was getting a pizza from downstairs. I brought that back upstairs. They're still at the 300-meter the mark. They've barely done anything. And um, you could sort of tell she's, like, pretty keen, but at least she's not as uh, – if this was her last preparation, she would have been all over the shop and completely well, gone. And in run, though, early on, when they were going so slow, you we were on the fence. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's bad. But yep. he, he got out of there. Um, look – Unfortunately, she's um, she's fell victim to the to the Belmont Trench at the 150, so she skipped over that misstrode, and she still managed to record the fastest last 200, fastest last 400, second fastest last 600 on the card, despite running 2,200 metres. So that probably tells you about how quick they were going up front. Um, Shy's an hours in race, but you yeah, you love it as an owner. The Belmont uh, Trench. Talk to me about the Belmont Trench. We'll, we'll, we'll get stuck into the Belmont Trench um, at a later date. I'm just going through a little bit of data as we speak, so that will be something to look forward to on the deep dive. We might even try and deep dive and offer to send across some shovels because we can't do it personally. I would fly across and try and dig it up, but I'm not allowed back into the state. to get back in. Essential work. Mark Essential McGowan, if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Belmont card... Was frustrating early. We had a, a big bet on Dom to shoot, which no intent shown at all in the run, and it was the only time this prep you're going to get a price on this galloper. Um, settled last. It's recorded big splits running home, strong through the line, but the market drift told you late. It was three ninety out to four eighty. The favourite eliminate uh, has pulled up with an elevated heart rate, gone for a spell, but you know bet correctly around it, but Dom Deschute will is clearly the horse to follow out of the meeting and will probably jump $2.20 and piss in next start. Um, outside of that, just bless Lactar, Romilly's cotton socks for Denim Pack. Um, just put the horse in the sweet spot. Got the job done for us at 27 bucks and small win for the day. Um, it was just another meeting at Belmont. Uh, I think I speak for a lot of punters when we say Usually this time of year you start to get a bit toey and you go, I just can't wait to get back to Ascot. You see like headquarters, you know, the good races, everyone gets dressed up. It's a lovely course. This year more than ever, it's like, can we just get back to headquarters already? <laughs> it's no good at the moment. Um, but we're winning. That's the main thing. We'll go to uh, Betfair's best bets of the weekend, the biggest bet races pre and in play. At Belmont, it was race six, which was Money Matters in the, the Jolly Beggar, 338,000. Again, very low holds there at Belmont on the weekend. Uh, Doomed in race seven, get your grey on the event that it won, 511,000. Morfordville race eight, Peloton, uh, won that event, 356,000. The Valley, race five, no surprise. It was the race of showmanship, 974,000. And then... Ranwick, race four, the Concord. Again, no surprise because it's the race with Nature Strip, but 835,000 match there. GTRA was $6.60 Betfair SP, 510 best tote. Wow. Wow. Yep. So even with commission, the horrendously large amount of commission that you get charged for betting in New South Wales, it is still at your advantage to be betting on the fair. And pre-play, some very interesting uh, figures. I mean, they were all basically at uh, Mooney Valley, except for Nature Strip, which makes sense. Nature Strip was the most bet horse pre-play with $735,000. Uh, you often get that with those short quotes. But then you've got How Romantic, Age of Chivalry. Showmanship was second on the day. Max price of two ninety two, minimum price of $2.03, SP of $2.43. Competitive angles there. Change of yeah, tack. See, I, I don't think help. the market knew. Like, I, I was watching so closely the Age of Chivalry market, and it was like I reckon it was three fifty or three forty five, just top ahead, right at the death, and it just went into like three forty. Say, yep. The way it was written and how slow they went, often they would have gone to hit four dollars. 
Yeah. I watched the market late and I thought, no, we're sweet here. He's going to, we'll, we'll lead and probably win. Didn't know. I was wrong. Uh, for horses in play, bronze medal goes to showmanship. There was 54,583 matched on him. Cloak up in Doombin Curls, 57,286. The gold medal, the gold medal most matched in play was Montalina. 59,586. The slow tempo, the barrier trial speed did not worry the in-play button mashes. I didn't lay it this time. Thank God. I was um, I was surprised to hear that Toowoomba Race 7 um, <laughs> didn't make the in-play. Um, <laughs> the dollar forty favourite in an 1,850-metre maiden that had 20 starts for two placings and goes around at $1.40. Two... Two, the two young female apprentices um, eyeballed each other for the first, like, 1,600, and that was about 10 lengths to the third horse. They couldn't lift their legs at the last in the last one. <laughs> it would have been a great one for in-play for in layers there, just uh, smashing the pink button on the favourite. Gap it, bro. Uh, it was a sight to behold. So, surprised it didn't make the, the, the top the top three because fuck, I was smashing that button hard. It was something to see. <laughs> oh, oh, boys, anything horse. else we should touch upon before uh, we go? What's on this week? How can take your stuff, curls? Um, yeah, God. Well, there's not four meeting daddy, <laughs> which is a relief. Um, Eagle Farms, oh, Wednesday, Ipswich, Thursday, probably going to go on track Thursday. Ipswich has been really low quality meetings. You know, the fast class is a three-year-old cutest maiden in a benchmark 58 type events. So um, I really enjoy getting to those meetings with the real low horses for the yard particularly. Um, so we'll probably get the Ipswich Thursday. Uh, and then we'll have Sunny Coast Friday night, Gold Coast Toowoomba, Doombin, Saturday, Sunny Coast, Sunday. Beautiful. I've got uh, Hillside, Sandown Hillside Wednesday, Mornington and Swan Hill Thursday, Friday, chance of finding one or two there, and then headquarters Flemington on Saturday. Pete's got back-to-back Belmonts, no doubt. Um, thanks for listening, and I'm just hoping, uh, wishing Dwayne Dunn a speedy recovery. <laughs>